using how to use your deductions and making sure you use your proper deductions and how many you put down there is one thing, but then how you fill out the forms is a whole separate thing and making sure you're not inviting an audit. You're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm your co-host, AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algod. And coming up in episode 183, we have part two of uh, our Redux with performer tax expert Chuck Sloan of Chuck Sloan and Associates. They specialize in filing taxes for actors and other artists, which means that this is the perfect time of year to be listening to this interview. In part two, Chuck dives deeper down the rabbit hole that is expenses, write-offs, and how to avoid the almighty audit. It's all coming up in episode 183. Stick around. This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines? Be off book for your auditions? Explore your character and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com download. All right. How you doing, man? Hey, buddy. How's it going? Oh, it's going snowy. How are you? <laughs> uh, sunny. Oh. Sunny in 72. Always, right? Always. Always, it's always. Like impossible Ooh. for it to not be that temperature out there. We don't get fun things like snow out here. So you had a small audition this week. Yes. And, uh, and you got some awesome news, which I think you may have alluded to in a previous episode. I'm not sure. But. I did. I did allude to it. But uh, Ben and I have decided to sort of go public, go public with it mm. this week. Um, <clears throat> so he and I will be uh, sharing the responsibility of teaching a class to the uh, third year grad students at the UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television. We had a meeting with the head of graduate studies while I was in Los Angeles, and it went really well, obviously, because we are, we've are we been asked to, to teach it. So we're splitting the class. Uh, UCLA is on a quarter system, so that means 10 weeks of class, which means we'll be uh, teaching about five weeks each. The gentleman who is the, the new head of graduate studies was so cool with us. He even said, since there's two of you, it's great. If you're working actors totally get it. If one of you books something or has an audition, feel free to just have the other one teach and you don't even have to let me know. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So it's a very, very cool setup. Um, I'm really excited. It means I'll get to spend um, a bit of the fall in in LA because uh, we'll, yeah, we'll be teaching in, in the fall, but um, really exciting, really exciting that's stuff. That's so cool. That is um, so cool, man. You're going to be Professor AJ. Right? Professor yeah. Meyer. Yeah, and then I had a small audition for this... Um, I guess it's similar to a, a, what do they call them, summer stock. There is this theater out in St. Louis that does 
a bunch of musicals like over the summer and they're only two week not even two week runs it's a week of rehearsal and a week of shows and that's it so um i had an audition for that and it was interesting because they made everybody put themselves on tape for for it like everyone not just me but everyone and I guess they didn't come to New York in order to do the auditions. That's really that's really cool, man. And, but you you keep using this word audition. What, what is I don't know what that oh, means. Oh, meeting. Sorry. Oh, a meeting. Oh, okay. I can see. I, I can get on board with that. Okay. <laughs> well, you taped. So you taped a meeting. Here's the thing. Yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say. I was just going to say. If you put yourself on tape, it's not even really a meet. Like I didn't get to meet these people in person. Yeah. So that yeah. kind of that kind of puts a hole in our. In our uh, our vocabulary, damn, we'll have to rethink that one. Oh, oh crazy bummer man. town. Um, and yours says uh, you've been trying a new cereal. I've been trying a new cereal. It's called Nut and Honey. Yeah, interesting. How is it? Um, it's a little bland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope people picked up on that. Yeah, I got. I don't have anything to report this week. Although I did, uh, I, I did sit down with Gadali, who's uh, our marketing and web director. He's our resident. Uh, brilliant technologist, and he is building not only our new website, but also our mastermind, our online membership mastermind group, which is so awesome. I know we've talked about this for like months now, but it's up and running, and we have access to it as a team, and we're kind of you know pushing buttons and flipping switches and seeing what we can break before we open it up to the the sort of you know the larger community. And Gadali and I sat down for a little conversation where I got to kind of ask him about his thoughts on it and, and how his philosophy on it. And I recorded the conversation. So here's a little five-minute snippet I wanted to play for everybody about the, the group. The way I'm looking at the membership itself is that it offers three things. It's uh, coaching, it's content, and it's community. A really valuable place to hang out and just air their concerns and help others and, and really give people a great foundation on which to build their career and life. You want to be a whole, complete, well-rounded person, and I think that's what the community aspect gives. It's so important. You're talking with other people and you're saying, okay, uh, I'm not getting stuff done because I feel tired all the time. Maybe my diet's not right, and or I'm not getting enough sleep, or I'm having issues, or I need to escape into some good novel. What do you recommend? It's about being a whole person and acknowledging that and addressing it. And I think that's what the community aspect really uh, will hit home more than any other, here's how to take your career to the next level training. So I think that's the real power and the real magic of what we've got. Live the idea that you live when you live a whole life, you become a more efficient, more effective, more wholesome actor and artist and creative person. Absolutely. So why did we move this off of Facebook? There are a lot of free options out there. Um, we have a Facebook group right now. Um, that has been more or less effective with some things. So why did we create a separate group that lives elsewhere that people might have to just sort of pony up a little bit of money for every month? Why is that a good idea? One, if you're on Facebook all the time, it's so easy to get distracted. You're in a group, you're looking at it, and then, hey, cat photos, or hey, articles, or hey, nine reasons why this is stupid. There's just so many things out there, and if you're on there and spending your time doing that, you're not focused. And if you want to get results in your life, you need some focus on something, and it can be community. When you're in the membership, you know you're focused on yourself and your career, your life and you know, that community. You, you won't start diving into other things. So focus is a, is a huge reason. 
The other reason, it as far as it being off of Facebook and it not being one of those free public groups, is so that there are no whackters. We don't want whackters in our group because if people are investing in themselves to be there, there's going to be a higher caliber of interaction. And we like things that are high quality. You know, you've put a lot of effort into making the music and the sound and the editing and just everything else about the podcast itself really high quality. And I think that if people are investing in themselves to be there, they're going to want the interaction to be better because they want it to be better for themselves. So might as well give that to the group as well. And we can have a lot more control so that we can provide more value to the community as well. If we're on Facebook, we can't track things. We can't save things. We can't, uh, you know, once something's there in the newsfeed, it's gone after a while. It's really hard to find that stuff and search it. In the community, uh, on our own platform, if someone, let's say we've, once we've been at it for two years, we can search for anything and it'll show up. So if there's some nugget of wisdom, some awesome knowledge bomb on a certain topic that came out two years ago, we can search that and it's there. Like it's there forever and it, it'll just keep getting more valuable over time. It belongs to the community, not Facebook. I love that. These are life skills. These are things that people are investing to be a part of. Uh, and it's a place where there's not going to be the opportunity for so much distraction. I've also found in these Facebook groups, they typically very quickly fall apart because you have those people that go on and just want to promote their shit. They just want to tell you to like their page, go hit their, their IMDb profile, you know, go support their Indiegogo campaign or their Kickstarter campaign. And it just gets old so fast and so quickly becomes just this white noise that nobody wants to go near because we all want to get shit done in our lives. But Facebook in these groups, so rarely does it actually work because you have to have a large number of people with the same ideology. And if it's free and it's in the context of something like Facebook, it's like it, the chances of it actually being effective are so small. So having something separate, something that people are paying to be a part of creates that value, I think, just sort of inherently. And like you, like you said, I think, yeah, it does kind of weed out the whackers because the, the people that want you to go like their page and stuff. They're not going to pay a couple bucks a month to have other actors do that. They're going to go to the easier sort of places where they can spam the shit out of people. This is a like not a self-promo thing. It's, you know, help others thing. And by the way, you're also going to get helped a lot, too. So I, I think it's just a no-brainer for everyone that's actually wants to take steps in their career and life to have a full creative uh, existence should be a part of it. Especially if you're a fan of what's on the podcast or... Uh, coming to local events and, and you're serious about learning and self-improvement and progressing, taking steps. I don't think there's going to be a better tool out there for that kind of progress. So yeah, everybody look forward to that. It's going to be so kick-ass. I can't wait to, to unveil the, the grand unveiling of that on, what is it, March 31st, did we say? March 31st, Tuesday. I think that was the, uh, the date that you guys put out there. And there's a, a lot still kind of going on with this Actors Equity 99C theater proposed abolishment thing. And you, AJ, have been extremely active in the, in the conversation. I've been following your posts in the, in the Facebook group and stuff. So uh, do you have any updates for us? I, I, you know, last week we were kind of like saying we were leaning one way, but that there were, you know, arguments on both sides um, that we sort of agreed with. And I'm almost entirely... Uh, a no on this now uh, after learning everything that I've learned. Um, I could talk ad nauseum about this, but essentially uh, what I want to say is that 
the proposal that equity is putting out there just seems very short-sighted in that it doesn't seem to take into account what the landscape in Los Angeles actually is. They seem to want to go from zero to 100 miles per hour overnight by making all of these companies, these theater companies in Los Angeles, pay their union actors minimum wage. There's no there's no plan to sort of support theaters in doing this. There's nothing that like it's not a, it's not a, a slow progression. It's not a it's not baby steps. It's not stepping up a ladder going from you know from this point to this point to this point to the, this point. It's it's A to Z. You know point A to point Z overnight, very fast. And that combined with a lot of other uh, evidence that I've sort of collected just from doing research, it just seems to me that um, the union line right now is like don't don't actors deserve minimum wage? And, and no one's arguing that. All, all, every actor is like, yes, we deserve fair pay, and, and everyone is, is on board with some kind of change, just not this change. <clears throat> By the way, a lot of people who are listening to this are not union. They're not equity. So it won't necessarily affect you other than, you know, if a lot of theaters close down, there will be less work for both union and non-union union actors. Um, but when I'm referring to say things like a vote, those kinds mm-hmm. of things, those are that's the kind of thing that's only going to be quote unquote available for equity actors to weigh in on. Right. Well, did you hear this news? Uh, at least this is the case last week. Uh, I heard that that Actors Equity was asking for, I forget what the word is, but basically backup from SAG-AFTRA. They were mm. saying, like, if you will stand in solidarity with us, um, that will help our case. There's other ways that people get paid. That's why they do this stuff. That's why they do 99 seats here. That's why they, they work for free. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I would go to McDonald's and work for free. I would, I would ask for minimum wage there. But that's a different kind of work. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting the other kinds of payoffs. Right. T- show me an artist who, an artist, a true artist who got into it for the money. You'd be hard-pressed to find that person. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't want to make money creating our art, and that's a whole other, you know, subject uh, almost entirely. We could talk, you know, we could have a whole episode just on that. But it's interesting when you think about all of the uh, deferred pay uh, shorts and features and stuff that get made in, in Los Angeles. Everybody on that set agrees, okay, no one's getting paid unless they, this thing blows up and, and then, you know, we'll, we'll all get, you know, a big payday then, knowing full well that that's likely not going to happen. Imagine, Trevor, if you were forced to pay everyone who was union on the set of donor minimum wage for the time that they were there. So, I mean, that's it, and that's just one example of, of many. Well, not, I think yeah. you think of all like the, the web series that are made in, in Los Angeles and, like I said, short films, feature films. Like I said, I could talk ad nauseum, so these are all the little anecdotes that, that I've come up with over, or that we as a community have come up with over the last uh, weeks, days and weeks. But like, you know, if, a, if, a, if the trumpet player from Wicked decides that he and a bunch of his buddies are going to go play in a dive bar in the financial, or, you know, on the Lower East Side and play some jazz or something like that, that they're not he's not doing that because he wants to get paid he's doing that because for the love of the music because he wants to create art he wants to create something special with with some compatriots and he belongs to a union there's a very very strong musicians union in New York that actually went on strike a few years back and and caused havoc on on Broadway that that's a very powerful union it doesn't make 
it makes so little sense. There's so little logic right now that I can't, like I said, I can't help but think that there is a more nefarious purpose behind it. Uh, yeah. To, what to, is that purpose, though? Well, yeah. they they haven't they haven't you know this contract the 99 seat well it's not even a contract the 99 seat waiver agreement was created in 1987 or something like that it was an outcry from the 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 actors in Los Angeles who wanted to be able to work when they were between union gigs between um, film and television gigs between union theater gigs Equity has never liked it from the beginning and they're they're forced to do a lot of paperwork because they do have to keep track you know if the if the companies in LA are doing their due diligence, they're supposed to report, yes, we're doing this show, here's how many performances, here's how many actors, here are all the actors' names, here's who's union in uh, in the performances, etc. And then they have to file paperwork, but they don't really make any money off of it because nobody's paying any dues. So, you know, there's the, that's the money trail, but at the same time, it's like, okay, so if everyone, if every theater company could afford to pay their actors minimum wage, A, wouldn't they be doing that already? And B, how much money are you going to make exactly off of minimum wage actors paying dues on those wages? Mm-hmm. It just, it, 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 every time I come around to wanting to understand the, the argument to implement this, it doesn't make sense. And um, it's really a shame. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to name names or, 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 um, call anyone out but there have been several people where I have asked if how much experience they've had in 99 seat theater they accused me of calling their credibility into question when I was literally just asking a question and then when I explained my position that no I I simply want to know if you have experience in this area because I'm curious what your position is when you're for a referendum like this and then they block me on Facebook Anyway, that's a little little update. I know we, we talked about it longer than 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 either Trevor or I anticipated, but um, just wanted to kind of. I mean, it's interesting. It, it could potentially be a a a sea change, a paradigm shift in theater, not just in Los Angeles but uh, across the country, because Equity, you know, their quote unquote jurisdiction is wherever Equity members are working, and that could be anywhere mm-hmm. in the country. So it's a it's a it's a sort of fascinating debate and one that I think people should pay attention to even if they're not union. Yeah, it, it's so fascinating because it's like, it's cloaked as, hey, we're your union, we want to fight for you, we think this is what people deserve. And I, you know, on the surface, it's like, yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, unions fight hard to get actors treated fairly and, and well, and, you know, unions for, for anybody, you know, <clears throat> not just actors. But uh, yeah, but it seems like so much of the membership, the constituency is against it. You got to wonder why they're trying to strong arm everybody into this. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the vote actually, uh, speaking of that, the vote, um, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's just to get a feel for it. Right. It's just, yep. Exactly. It's like we could, it, it could overwhelmingly be voted no, and they could still pass the, the referendum through. And then what will ha- have to happen is there will have to be lawyers hired and we will have to sue our own union and basically show the law they they made a decision against the wishes of their own membership. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking months and months of legal fees and paperwork and stuff, all of which I pay for with my dues. <laughs> yeah. So. Or, and I've heard another option is that, is that uh, the actors go off and form a different union to, to fight their <laughs> previous union. Yeah. That, that's a, that, that is a, not only a nuclear option, but a very... Yeah challenge it would be a very difficult thing to do 
Wow. Well, so. stay tuned to ilove99.org uh, and the Facebook group. If nobody's a part of that, um, contact either myself or AJ. We'll be happy to add you or, um, or just find them on Facebook yourself and jump in because it's, I think, yeah, like you said, AJ, this is really important to pay attention to even if you're not uh, involved with it directly in, right. in any sort of way. Well, before we roll into part two of our chat with Chuck Sloan, we have a quick word from our sponsor, VO2GoGo.com. They are the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Four years in a row. I think that says something. You can visit VO2GoGo.com slash start to get access to a free Getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. And with that, I think we can roll into part two of your long ago, but still entirely relevant chat with uh, the man himself, Chuck Sloan. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll, uh, we'll catch you on the other side of this. Enjoy the taxi goodness. is obviously right down where you go. Just right down. If you have a meeting with your agent, if you have a meeting with a producer, if you have a meeting with friends to talk about uh, auditions, if you have a meeting to, with your scene partner for a class, whatever it is, if you're going to be spending money, if you're just going to be talking, driving there counts as deductible mileage. Right. So the first step is you need to have that business mileage written down. You also need to keep, the second number you need to keep is your total mileage for the year. Today is the end of February. Go write down the mileage. At the end of this year, write down the mileage. You're going to have at least 10 months worth of mileage. Right. You, you can, can then kind of extrapolate out the, absolutely. the other two months. Yeah. Exactly, you can. And then from then on, that's a, valid, that's a valid number. Your receipts, keep your receipts. So if you go in and get your your car your oil changed in your car and you have a receipt from say march and you have another one from the end of september that's six months you can do, double it and you have again extrapolating it out you have at least a year's worth of uh, total miles so you now have your total miles you have your business miles if you just simply add up all your trips mm -hmm. those are the two numbers they need the third number that they want to have is what's called commuting miles now commuting miles means you drive to work and you drive home from work. The problem for most actors is if they're really working actors, they're not working all that much. You can shoot, you can work 10 days of the year as an actor and make $60,000, dollars mm -hmm. And you may drive, what, 60 miles? Right. Well, your commuting is not going to be that of a teacher who may drive 10 miles there, every, every drive day. every day, every 10 miles there, drive 10 miles back, 10 miles there. And, and, the, and the fact that these people, the shall we say real people, are driving to work and driving from work every single day, that's their commute. And because they have a commute, you have to have a commute. 
That's why you need to have a commute of some kind. And if your commuting miles are really little, that 60, 70 miles that we talked about a minute ago, mm. it doesn't look real to the IRS. And they're going to think, ah, you don't understand what commuting is. You've probably put some of your commuting miles into your business miles. Right. So you've got to be a little careful there. Now, on the other hand, a lot of actors have what they call a real job. Mm-hmm. So your real job is often your commute. Right. Therefore, all the audition miles, all the class miles, all the meeting miles. Those are your business miles. Those are your business miles. But just make sure you have a, a fairly good number for your commuting miles as well. So those are the three numbers you need to keep. Your total miles, your business miles, and some commuting miles. And then just remember, you always have personal miles you're going to go visit your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're going to go visit your parents. You're going to drive around to the movies and things like that. You're going to be doing things on your own. So you better have some personal miles. And, and the personal miles, you don't have to add up. You don't have to keep. It's the result after you take your business, business miles and your commuting out. miles out right. of your total miles. You're going to have some real numbers there. Right. If you spend a lot of time sitting at home, <laughs> fine. There may not be a whole lot. But if you spend a lot of time with your friends, that could be a real number, a sure. real big number. So... What, what should the numbers be? There are no such things as estimates. There are no such things as averages. Actor one, who goes to a lot of auditions, is not the same as actor B, who has a lot of classes. And if you're not having a lot of auditions and you don't have a lot of classes, you may not have a whole lot of business miles. So don't make it up. The worst thing you can do is get audited and walk in, and the moment you look like you're lying, they know. You think casting directors know when you're bad? They see if you're lying or not that fast. Oh, God. It's kind of scary comparing uh, the IRS to casting directors. Well, for your acting skills, yeah, I think there's a a fair amount of... um, comparison there (laughs) trust me there's some acting involved i'm sure for a lot of actors when you go before the irs when you go into an audit yeah and and you shouldn't have to but we'll keep audits to the other side because hopefully that doesn't have to happen there are two aspects of, of preparing the return properly doesn't just mean using how to use your deductions and making sure you use your proper deductions and how many you put down there is one thing but then how you fill out the forms is a whole separate thing and making sure you're not inviting an audit uh, that's a whole separate aspect of it in my book Um, and we're not going to go there because we're here to talk about what you can and can't write off and how to do that kind of thing right so that's a perfect segue actually that was going to be my next question which is you know the things that um if you talk about what you know typical things you can write off, typical things that actors make a mistake and think you can write off, and then also if you have any tips on keeping that kind of stuff organized. I mean, I know we talked about the box and you know keeping an e-file on your computer and that kind of thing, but... Well, we didn't really... The real key here is keep your records. Mm-hmm. And, and if I could wave a magic wand over the entire audience and anybody who ever watches this and, and say, here's what you can write off and here's what you can't write off and here's what every actor needs to know... It ultimately comes down to none of that information is valuable if you don't keep your receipts, if you don't keep your records, and you don't write write down where you're going. And sadly, that's what most actors think. Oh, that's just so hard. 
Right. How difficult, but how difficult it is to, to keep your receipts. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had to go to an audit and the gentleman who we always prep our people before we go in, he had kept all of his bank, bank records and he kept his visa records. But if he went to, for example, Costco, he didn't keep the physical receipt from Costco. Mm-hmm. So he perhaps spent $200 at Costco, but nothing in that $200 notation on his bank record that said Costco said, here's what I actually bought at Costco. Right, it's not line item in your bank. And because of that, there's so many things you can buy at Costco. Nothing there specifically said, this is what I bought for my business at Costco. Right. Who's to say you didn't buy $200 worth of groceries? Right. Who's to say you didn't buy a, a $200 well, good, my God, everything you can buy at yeah, Costco. Costco, television <laughs> I, screen, exactly, iPod. Exactly. And that you can't write off. And so you have to keep the physical receipt. And people go, what? Oh, and they start whining. You go, <laughs> yeah, it's really difficult to fold it up and put it in your pocket. And when you get home, you put it in a box. In the box. And that's it. Mm-hmm. You've done your job. Now move on with your life. And the same thing is with Rite Aid and Target and all the other places where there's so many things to buy. Just keep the physical receipt. Now, if you go to Office Depot, you can make an argument. But unfortunately, at Office Depot, there, there are two, there two are things that you can buy that, that you, that the IRS would argue. No, no, no yeah, this com- is personal. Computer games and things like that. So I would argue always keep the the actual receipt, the physical line item receipt, and then always keep your the the monetary transaction receipt and of course if you're paying for something in cash keep the physical receipt because that's the only proof you have right it's not that hard put it in a pocket and at the end of the day what are you buying four or five things you take them out of your pocket you put them in the box and that's the end of it right it's not that difficult anyhow he was so frustrated because I kept saying, you can't, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. And he said, why don't I just, I should have just filed a 1040EZ. I said, don't be silly. You wrote off $21,000 worth of receipts, all in all, not just for acting. Not just for cost. No, trust me, it wasn't just for acting. <laughs> and I said, and out of that, you made 28, you got $2,800 back from the IRS. So how much, how much, what's your best day rate? Oh, $1,000. So you spent, what, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 taking the classes, going to the auditions, all the money you spent to be an actor to get $1,000 a day, right? Yes. And all this work that I'm suggesting you do, and then sit down to get your, your stuff in order, what is it, eight hours worth of work to, to get your taxes done properly? Right. A day's work. And in this case, it's $2,800 worth of income if you sit down and do one day's work. That's three times your day rate. Oh. I said, and the truth is, it's the best paying day of your year to get your taxes done. <laughs> yep. If you do it right. If you do it right. And and the five seconds that I'm asking you to write down where you go, the the, the few seconds to keep the receipt, and then stick it in the box. We're, it's not rocket science. It's not even <laughs> difficult. Just do it. And that's all you have to worry about. Yeah. Your taxes are done. <laughs> yeah. Now, what can you write off? Sadly, it's what you can't write off that, that really is the biggest difficulty. Yeah, it's probably a much longer list. <laughs> it's not that much longer, but, well, gentleman came in the other day to the office, and, and 
Last year, his preparer, not in our office, but his preparer had allowed him to write off $2,400 for cell phone. And I looked at 2400? it. $2,400? $2,400 for his cell phone. And I said, wait a minute. In the first place, he should only be taking a percentage of his cell phone because right. not the whole thing. And because you're always going to have personal issues. Right. Your wife's going to call. Your kids are going to call. Someone's going to call. It's not all business. Unless you have a separate phone altogether. Unless. And he didn't. So we asked him what this was. He said, oh, I didn't take the whole thing. I, I, we only took two-thirds. Two-thirds of you. So who has a $3,600 cell phone? In today's world, where for $50 a month, you can get all text, all, you know, right. everything unlimited. Well, no, that's, that's the family plan. It's $300 a month for my entire family. Ooh. Oh, so, so there were four phones. And so, therefore, arguably, the, of the $3,600, you really only had $900. Yes. And of that, you should have gotten two-thirds of it. So you should have gotten 600, 600. Yeah. not 2400 <laughs> Oh. Whoops. Oh. And that's how it should have been done. Right. So he he really made a mistake, yeah. Or the the actor after actor that walks in saying, I, "I'm writing off my audition clothes." Well, you can write off your costumes, but you can't write off street clothes. Mm-hmm. Oh no, my preparer says says I can write off my street clothes if I only wear them to my auditions. If you can wear them on the street, you can't write them off. Well, you can wear anything off in L.A. and New York. You can wear anything on the street. Well, <laughs> yeah, well it's a valid argument. Yeah, I'm not going to argue no. with that. Unfortunately, just because you wear the aluminum foil on your head doesn't mean that you can, you know, get away with it. But the truth is, unless it's a specific costume, you know, doctor's blues, if you will, or a nurse's outfit or, or a Southern Belle outfit or a cop outfit or the right. like, you don't try to write it off. And the argument that it's, well, I only wear my suit to an audition or a funeral, you know, but I really only wear my suit to, to an audition, so therefore I should be able to write it off. And my argument back is, yes, you may think it's a costume, and the, the truth is you can't write it off because those people who wear it to their business meetings every single day, right. They wear it to work every day, and that's the reason you can't write it off. Because they can't write it off. And the truth is, it's a costume to them, too, but the difference is we know it, and they don't. <laughs> but, but they're wearing it every day. It's street clothes to them, and, and that's the reason you can't. Hair, makeup, and nails, another issue. Models come in, and they want to write off $3,500, $4,000 of their hair treatments and their makeup. Wow. And the answer is no. You can't write it off. Well, but I have to look like this. I have to be beautiful. This is how I make my money. I'm sorry, you can't write it off. Well, but, but I have to. And, and the answer you come back is, well, the woman who works in the, in the real estate office, the woman who works in the bank, her job is dependent on her professional attire, her professional look. And you can't convince her that if she doesn't look professional, she's not going to move up the ladder a lot faster. Right. So those, that's the problem. Now, if you, if, you, if you specifically buy makeup and you can come up with a legitimate reason as to why you had to buy that makeup for your job, I'm doing the roadshow of cats, <laughs> no problem. 
you're a woman who has to get her hair done or her makeup done professionally for her headshots, you can write that stuff off. But it's a very specific situation. Right. So if you had to categorize it, would it... I mean, is it even possible to do so? Is it even possible to categorize, like, say, uh, you know, this is a, a personal thing? Because, you know, I had an audition for this uh, in 2009. I had an audition for um, uh, the Johnny Cash musical. And, you know, I went out and got a guitar strap and, you know, certain things because I had to play the guitar at the audition. I got, you know, picks and stuff. I mean, you know, they're, that's pennies, but I'm just using it as an example. Like, how, do you, how, would you ever, how would you ever know? How would you ever be able to tell, you know, whether or not it was right? Really awful? deductible. Yeah. Could I write off guitar picks? Sure. If I'm not a musician, sure. But we're talking pennies there. Yeah, no, I, the strap, I understand. The strap, sure. But again, we're talking pennies. But if I'm a musician and I decide I'm going to go write off two guitars... Just because I have one audition for Johnny Cash, I'm going to have trouble. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's my excuse. Um, don't try to write off a big purchase because you have a single audition. And it just happens to be your avocation, something that you enjoy doing, and you're using one audition as an excuse right. for it. It just isn't going to fly. They're not stupid. <laughs> Um, their first instinct is to say no. And the real issue, the real issue is, yes, you may only have a 2% chance of getting audited. Actors have a slightly higher chance of getting audited simply because we write so much off. Mm -hmm. We're in a higher percentile difficulty, if you will, of getting audited. Right. But if, the, but if you walk into the door and you start to appear to be dancing, you look like you're lying you're a target and the moment you look like you're not telling the truth on one item you become a target on every item so our advice on anything is if if you have essentially not told the truth on something come clean with it right up front be be very upfront and say uh, I had one young lady who came in and had her taxes done somewhere else, and, and his list of what he said was allowable deductions looks, looks like my list of what is not deductible. <laughs> and I simply said, we want to walk in the door and say that this $6,000 that he allowed, you could prove every dime of, but the reason you wrote it off in your taxes is because he said it was okay. And we're going to put the entire onus on him. Mm -hmm. You're going to be able to prove every penny you wrote off. But what we want to say here is it's his fault. Right. And we want to get out of having to worry about any penalties involved. Because we don't want them to think you did this on purpose. It was his fault because we don't want them to think we can get her for the, for the prior year as well. We don't want them looking at the next year. We want you to come clean. We want you to be honest. And we want them to stop at this $6,000. And they did. Now, it cost her, I think, $1,500. But they stopped there. In fact, a little bit less than the $1,500 we came in to say. And they didn't look further. They didn't even look at the rest of her records. By coming in clean and coming in straight and saying, this is our situation. Um, 
and looking honest. So Great. I can't tell you how important that is. Tell the truth, come clean, and the IRS will believe you. <laughs> the, minute you the minute you start to go, oh, if you look like a criminal, you're opening the door. Yeah. Be careful. Uh, there's one last deduction I want to ask you about, uh, which is uh, technology. We talked about the cell phone, but specifically computers. Because um, a computer is a big expense. And I've heard there, there's two different schools of thought on this. You can write it off as one big chunk, or you can write it off as, a, as something that deteriorates. Um, what's the word? Deteriorates over time? Like a car? You depreciates. Can, you, depre you can depreciate, depreciate it over. You can <clears throat> depreciate computers over five years. How long does a computer last in today's world? Maybe three. Yeah, it depends on how often you buy them, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. The last longer than that, but the truth is you probably want to buy a new one yeah. within three. Well, it's just such a big tool for, for me, especially. I, I use it for so many things, you know, uh, uh, organizing headshots, putting together the headshots to take to the reproductions house, putting together your resume, um, you know, m marketing yourself, staying in touch, staying organized, uh, you know, all the stuff we've been talking about today, I, I use my computer for. It's so. very interesting in that I, well, first of all, before I came to Hollywood, I was in the computer business. I had a computer store and then I actually worked for the two biggest software distributors in the country doing a newsletter for them. Um, and I used to joke with casting directors that I was the only person who came to Hollywood to, and lost stress as a result of becoming an actor. <laughs> um, but as a result of all of that, it was very interesting to see over the years how the acceptance of a computer has, has actually grown in the IRS. At one point, they used to say, actors don't need computers. Actors don't, you know, what, what are they going to use the computer for? And you'd have to wow. fight with them to explain. Wow. Well, I use it for my, uh, for my submissions. What's a submission? Well, let me tell you oh, what we do. Geez. And you'd say, you're, I create my resumes on it. I follow my, my casting directors on it. I keep a list of everyone I've seen and da, 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 da. And, and you'd have to explain my, your, how you use the data files, et cetera, like that. Nowadays, that whole issue is a, is a non-starter non because everybody has a computer. Everybody's using them all the time. Right. So that's not the question. But in answer to your situation, can I write it off in, the, in the, the year I purchase it or should I depreciate it over five years? And the answer is most people generally will take the depreciation in the first year in one fell swoop. Right. Even then... You have, to, you have to look at it and say, am I using it 100% for business or am I using it a percentage for personal usage mm -hmm. as well? You're going to get personal emails. You're going to be sending, you know, and, and right. Martha is going to be sending you recipes. You're going to be talking to your girlfriend. You're on Facebook. You're going to be doing personal things with it. So no IRS agent is really going to look at it and say, yeah, that's 100% business usage. No way, unless you have a second computer, and then there's, they're going to look at you and say, really, when do you use two computers? So be realistic about it. Have an idea in your head how much of it you use for personal and how much you use for business. And don't just immediately say, 10% for personal. Be real about it. How much can you possibly use it for business? If you use it an hour a day for the business of acting, then you probably use it an hour or two hours a day for personal usage. Right. Well, does that mean that I have to one-third business, one-third, two-thirds personal? Not necessarily. Would you have bought the new computer if you didn't have a business usage for it? 
if you were just using it for personal, probably not. You, right. you couldn't justify the expense. Well, now we're into a whole, <laughs> whole different concept here. But so be realistic about it. Gotcha. I, I can't tell you. I can't, and I don't want to get into percentages here, uh, again, because it varies from person to person to person. In right. your case, for what you're doing, the podcast and things, you will be going out and buying equipment that you're using 100% for business. Right. The computer we're using here tonight is 100% business usage, but you probably have another computer that is partially business, uh, personal usage. Right. Two different worlds. Right, right. Well, thank you for clearing that up. Uh, we should probably wrap it up but um if people want to find out more about you i know you have the website um it's really difficult to find me <laughs> chucksloan.com one word chucksloan.com um yeah uh, the website's great actually if you guys uh, uh, go on there and check it out i'm actually holding in my hand right now uh, chuck has on his website this pdf that you can download um and print up and what it is is it's a sort of a, a way of getting yourself prepared before you go into a meeting with uh, him or, or one of his preparers um, and it's 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 kind of fantastic it it's kind of eye-opening if you just kind of look through it don't let it overwhelm you but it is kind of eye-opening uh, in terms of all the things that you can possibly um, uh, keep organized and 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 have gathered as far as information is concerned at the end of the year there uh, are I'm going to jump in here and say there are there are three aspects of this one we try to educate and inform right if you go looking around our website, there are two aspects of any area of our of our breaking it down of as far as the categories of what are deductible. On one side, we explain, here's what the IRS says about any deduction, and here we try to make it in English for you to understand because sometimes the IRS speaks a whole different language. A lot of the things I've said tonight are going to disappoint a lot of people because they've been told different things right. by their preparers. We state it categorically on the website from direct from the IRS. If I've said something or if it's up on the website and it's in, in IRS statements, I guarantee you we're 100% accurate because the IRS is saying it, not us. We're just the, you know, the spokesperson, if you will. Uh, if, what we've, if what I've said tonight or if something we've written up there is different from what your person is saying, I guarantee you we're correct. <laughs> and I would be very leery of someone who tells you anything different from what you're hearing from us or what you might read up on the website. Mm -hmm. um, now, if you want to take the chance and prepare your taxes that way, you go right ahead. But if you get audited, the chances are you're going to lose it. If you hear from someone who says, oh, no, 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 I, my auditor let me take it, which what really probably happened was the auditor just didn't want to fight with you over that couple hundred dollars because he or she had bigger fish to fry over here. They taken already, you know. They had enough money over here to, to fight with you about. Don't don't just assume that because somebody got a little bit of clothing, a couple hundred dollars of, of you know street clothing, that, mm -hmm. that it's acceptable. Um, I can I can tell you another story that'll tell you the truth. Um, what I've told you is the truth. Be careful of any preparer that tells you anything other than this, because all they want to do is build up your refund so that you go tell your friends to come see them right. and build up their business. Uh, the packet we try to inform you about, download it, read through it, know your stuff, factors. go out and find out what it's about, don't wait until the last minute, get your taxes done early, 
Don't come in to the to get your taxes done and wait until April 14th to find out you owe money <laughs> and go, oh my God, how am I going to pay this? Get your taxes done early. Uh, a couple of people have found out that they, that they owe money and the best thing about it is they've got two months to figure out a way to pay it. So get your taxes done early. Right, right. Great. Thank you so much, Chuck. Not a problem. I appreciate it. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the second and final part of AJ's chat with Chuck Sloan. Uh, I said it last week, but I really think it's worth the the investment to go to a tax person um, for all the reasons we outlined last week, but also everything you just heard in part two. So I hope that uh, you got to know a little bit more about uh, the ins and outs of your finances as a creative person pursuing a creative career and um, hope it helps. Yeah, there's so so much to cover. It's impossible to do in an hour-long interview, but you know, this was this was the start. This was the start of it. Getting my taxes done with them the first time, and, and having this conversation with Chuck, and then eventually having the conversation with Micah Scott over at Actors Tax Prep. You know, I I just I ve- I went very quickly educated myself over the course of like two three years on how to best track everything, and that's really the most important thing because if you keep track of everything and you're organized, then by the time tax season comes around, yeah, you've got to put in a, a, a little bit of work. Um, and, and they can certainly help you with that, but at least you'll have everything that you need in order to do said work. So right, the less right. you know about it, the longer it's going to take you, right? The, the more you know about it, the, the easier it gets, the faster you get at it. That's, mm-hmm. that's absolutely true. But if you don't know anything and yet you stay organized, you still have a shot at like getting some money back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah, normally it used to take me uh, like all night to do my taxes before going in. I would actually literally block out like eight hours mm-hmm. before I went into my, my tax appointment the next morning. Of course, I always put it off to the last minute. And I did it again this year and it took me about an hour and a half and I was ready. Wow. Because I've just I've just learned, you know, and, and it's it's because of not only that, that great packet you get when you go to their website, they have you fill out a packet that helps you kind of things, but also just learning over the things that they've told me over the years you know next year track this next year make sure you keep an eye on this i gotta talk to you about that because it still takes me about eight hours really all told <laughs> okay. yeah yeah well yeah <clears throat> I YNAB mean, is, a, is a big part of the uh, oh of the, yeah the, yeah because you're you're sort of doing the organization throughout the year throughout the year yeah wow yeah. all right i'm impressed i'm impressed my friend well, thank you. <laughs> so what's your pick of the week, man? My um, pick of the week. All right, we, we're going to get a little serious here, um, but it, I, it's 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 more than important, and I'm I'm doing my best to get the word out uh, as much as possible. I, I tweeted about this, and I'm hoping to get the producer of this film onto the show. Um, she already agreed to do it, but um, Jasmine and I went to the world premiere, or the New York premiere, of a documentary called The Hunting Ground which was made by the same people who made the documentary Invisible War, which was nominated for an Oscar, an Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. And Invisible War was about uh, rape in the military and the sort of institutional ways in which it's covered up and, and not talked about and, and um, how the victims are not getting the, the, the help that they need. The Hunting Ground, uh, in a similar vein, is about the sort of institutional cover-up of rape on college campuses. Essentially, the colleges have a monetary or financial incentive to 
diminish the numbers of these cases on their on their campuses um, because they don't they don't want people to be afraid to send their children to their their school. So they ignore it, they cover it up, they tell the girls that it's their fault. It's pretty disgusting. Um, and it was a very challenging movie to watch. Uh, we cried through a, a, a large majority of it, but it's, it's important. It's one of those things where the more people who see this, the more people who talk about it, the more people get the word out, the less and less that these um, universities and presidents of these universities can hide or uh, not do anything about it. There will be a link to the IMDb page on our website, although I think, um, and I've got to check this out, um, I think they have their own website, which is like the huntinggroundfilm.com. I'm checking that out right now, but I would encourage you all to find, it's playing in New York, LA, yes, the huntinggroundfilm.com as well as the IMDb uh, site are both great resources. Um, check those out and, and find a theater where it's playing near you. It, it just got a, um, I think a nationwide release. It's at least playing in the major markets. Okay. Jeez. It's heavy stuff. <clears throat> yes, it is. It is. But it's important to, like I said, important to talk about. Yeah. And not let it get, uh, continue to get swept under the rug. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I'll follow that with uh, a TV show about raping and pillaging. <laughs> Jesus. Um, it's called Vikings. It's on the History Channel, uh, and it's, it's really good. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's good. I, I, don't, I don't know much about like the Viking sort of era in history. I don't know much about their culture or anything like that. But if this is accurate, it is a really fascinating look at that time. And, and at this particular sort of world, it's a narrative show. So it's, you know, it's got characters and plot lines and things like that. And it's really well done. And it's interesting because the Vikings were, were pretty brutal people. Like they, they, they do some pretty horrific things in this show to people. And yet much the same way you root for Frank Underwood in house of cards when he's doing awful things to people, you root for these Vikings as they're pillaging foreign lands and things like that. So it's a, it's a strange kind of paradox, but it's, it's superbly acted, produced, written. I've really been enjoying it. You can get it on Hulu if you have a, a Hulu Plus account. You can watch the first two seasons on there. And I think you can actually do a free, uh, free trial of Hulu if you would like for like two weeks or something to watch some of these. And you'll, you'll probably go through them pretty quickly because it's, it's every one of the episodes ends on a cliffhanger and you're like, oh, God, what happens next? And from what I understand, it is based very uh, – very closely on this sort of legend of this actual Viking guy who invented a new way of sailing and things like that. And so it, it was a pretty kind of pivotal time in, in sort of humanity's evolution as far as tech, like seafaring technology goes. And uh, this guy apparently did exist, but it's, but the details of his life are a little bit exaggerated by, you know, stories told over and over and over again throughout the, the ages. So it's a, it's a look at this guy uh, and, and his clan. It's really cool. Vikings. Uh, it's on the History Channel link on our website. They advertise that show pretty heavily in here in New York. It's all over the subways and billboards and stuff like that. And uh, I have I've seen uh, not only those, but also advertisements for, I guess they're trying to appeal to our demographic because I'm, when I'm watching hockey, I see, or, you know, some kind of sporting event, you know, they're showing... <laughs> They're showing the uh, the, the the spots the, the ads uh -huh. for that for that show. Yeah. So I've been intrigued, but um, 
as as usually happens, your 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 pick will will always kind of push me over the edge to to check out some of this stuff. So that is a recap for the picks of the week: The Hunting Grounds <clears throat> and Vikings, a feature film documentary and a TV series, respectively. So for our patron of the week, we wanted to throw a big shout out. Thank you. Love bomb. Appreciation bomb to Jasmine Bristow, who does our uh, IAP dispatch and uh, also is kind of in charge of our Twitter account and does many of these sort of front facing aspects of the podcast. She's a dancer turned actor turned multi hyphenate. She hails from Australia. She relishes a global life. She was a ballet dancer in Europe before enjoying a short but successful career in software development. Her lifelong acting hobby turned serious in 2010 when she began studying Meisner. Now she's based between New York City and Los Angeles, and she's stretching her filmmaking muscles and is in pre-production for several film projects. She's a self-confessed tree hugger. We love tree huggers on this show. (laughs) And she's a foodie. (laughs) And she adores her future husband, whoever that jerk is, uh, and their kitty as well as her foster elephant in Kenya. How cool is that? Yeah. Talk about someone with a huge heart. Jasmine's mission in life is to inspire and transform the world through art and to see humanity shine. So definitely someone you want in your life. Head over to our website to learn more about Jasmine. You can also find her on Twitter. I think, is she just Jasmine Bristow on Twitter? Yeah. Yeah, so she's yeah. on Twitter. She's on Facebook. Uh any other links that uh, we're not mentioning here will be on our website uh, for you to kind of learn more about her and connect with her. She's amazing. By the way, just uh, you know, full disclosure, she is actually a patron. We're not, we're not making her yeah. a patron of the week just because she works for the pod for the podcast now. Like she she uh, puts in her monthly donation, <laughs> so yeah. which is fun and funny, which which says a lot right there. Yeah. Yes. All right, so today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and... A.J. Meyer, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadella Gubarek is our marketing and web director. We heard from him earlier in this episode. Jasmine Bristow is our director of public relations. We now know a lot more about her. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. Trevor Algott, that's me, composed our music. You can sign up for our free weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our sponsors, VO2Gogo.com and Rehearsal 2, and thanks to you, our listeners. If you love Inside Acting and you want to help keep the show going, sign up as a monthly member. Patron, member, same thing. And get cool perks, like access to our exclusive online members-only mastermind group, which is launching in just a few short weeks on Tuesday, March 31st. We're beta testing it right now. It's awesome. You want in. Trust us. Uh, You'll get uh, also freebies and discounts on merchandise and other upcoming podcast offerings. We have lots of great stuff planned. And we're excited to uh, to roll it out over the next month, the few next few months. Just visit InsideActingPodcast.com and click on the member tab. Well, that's it for episode 183 of Inside Acting. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, save the theater, save the elephants. <laughs> <laughs>